0: Welcome to the 12th issue of the Two-Butt Rule. Quit Twitter with Quitter. This is our first 2B review. And I'll explain what that is in a minute. Ian McAllister explained Amazon's working backwards approach to product development in a Quora post describing something he called the internal press release. Written before beginning work on a new product, it's used as a touchstone to crystallize ideas and maintain alignment. During development. The 2B review is a variation of this. It's narrated in the voice of the future reviewer, describing both what they liked and didn't like about the product. It's an exercise in the two butt rule. I liked the price point, but I didn't like the cheap build quality it broke in under a week. This prompts the team to deliver the second but, but we wouldn't have to sacrifice build quality to bring the cost down if we and you see the idea. If you can imagine what might suck about your future product or service before you build it, then you might wind up with a superior offering in the end. So here is the first 2B review. Quitter. Twitter without the lock-in. Note, this 2B review is fiction. Until it isn't. Hi, I'm Michael, your beloved tech reporter. In 2023, after more than a decade on Twitter, I decided to call it quits. I wasn't alone. Twitter's user base was starting to shrink. This is the story of my journey to a new Twitter alternative, Quitter. Or to be more precise, it's about the Quitter standard and two of the first social networks supporting it, Flitter and Flipper. The Great Centralization Exodus If I'm honest, I've never used to care about the fact that Twitter was in control of my content and connections. I was there in the early days, and I don't remember any of us saying a word about how the platform was centralized. Back then, we knew that if we wanted to be in control of our own content and audience, we could put up a website easily enough. But even those of us who could draw an audience to our site still used Twitter. Why? It was easy. It took zero effort to hop on. And once you were on, it was hard to take your eyes off the endless scroll. Eyeball aggregation. For whatever reason, Twitter drew the magic zeitgeist lottery ticket that we all yearn for. Once the chain reaction of network effects started, Twitter was the place to be and we knew that it was delivering something we couldn't get on our own, a global town square. Then everything changed. All I was hearing from my readers in 2023 was how they wanted decentralization, how all things centralized were to be taken out back and shot. Fair enough. Social networks changed society, and society was returning the favor by changing social networks. My readers were changing me, too. I found myself noticing that I wasn't in control. I saw the canceling. I wondered about the algorithm, but for all that, to me, the word decentralization seemed too vague and hand-wavy. So before leaving Twitter, I had to ask myself what I really wanted from decentralized social networks, and one thing rose to the top. Freedom from platform lock-in. I wanted to be able to take my content, my followers, my likes, my social graph, and go wherever I wanted with them without breaking links or losing social SEO authority. I wanted to own my own content, legally. And while I didn't mind the platform making money on me in various ways, I wanted to know that if I decided to go, they weren't retaining most of the value while I was left with nothing. Freedom from lock-in. Like the portability that let me keep my phone number even if I switched carriers back in the day. That's what I wanted. I just had to figure out how to get it. Decentralization to the rescue. In 2023, two of the darlings of the decentralization exodus were Nostr and Mastodon. I tried them both. Nostr was a messaging protocol that promised to filter out disinformation and hate speech from apps that implemented it. But to me, rather than being a decentralized Twitter, I found the Nostr app I tried to be more like decentralized Slack. It gave me a private channel that I controlled, which is great, but it didn't attract an audience. I stopped using it after about a week. Mastodon was an open source project that had been around since 2016 and touted itself as a decentralized social network, but in my view, its decentralization was more theoretical than practical. It relied on centralized servers maintained by people who you didn't necessarily know. You could run a server called an instance yourself, but I suspected that most people wouldn't do that for the same reason that most people didn't run their own websites. Aside from the uncomfortable feeling I got by imagining I was storing my information on some creepy dude's server running in his mom's basement, I found the user experience to be clunky and difficult to navigate. It had limited functionality compared to Twitter, it was slow, and at least for me, it was a ghost town. I could hear digital crickets chirping as I waited for any sign of someone to notice my post. I was especially surprised to discover that if I wanted to move my past post to a different Mastodon instance, that wasn't on the same domain as the old one, links could break again, unless you also set up redirects, and that required the cooperation of the instance's operator, just the same as it would if I wanted to do that from Twitter. So much for anti lock in. It turns out that social networks like Twitter, even now, need user content to reside on their servers in order to deliver the features I want, along with the performance I expect. And in 2023, I simply wasn't willing to give up great content search and recommendations, reliable and fast user discovery, buttery fast load times, the polish of a AAA user experience, paid for by a big pool of capital backing a major brand. It had become clear to me that what I really wanted was a big, popular, centralized social network, but one that allowed me to leave without breaking links, losing search engine authority, or losing my likes and followers in the process. Enter Quitter, Flitter, and Flipper. I was about to ready to give up and return to my idle Twitter account when I flitted upon Flitter. Flitter was as close to a feature-for-feature feature copy of Twitter as you could get without expecting Twitter's lawyers to camp out on Flitter's doorstep. And Importantly, the performance was fantastic. Flitter was the first social network to implement the Quitter protocol. And from the moment I signed up, I could tell this could be something better than all the alternatives, including Twitter itself. In my first experience with Flitter, during sign-up, I was told in clear language that I legally owned all my content and that Flitter had to release it automatically upon request. In that way, it reminded me of Substack. Even if Flitter chose to censor my content, the license required them to release it to me, which was fine, but my first thought was that it didn't matter if I owned my content if I couldn't move it elsewhere without breaking links. I almost stopped there, but I took the next step. I'm glad I did. Next, Flitter automatically set up a personal cloud service for me called a pod. They made it clear that this was mine to keep or move as I saw fit. It took me two minutes to set it up and log into it with my own credentials. It reminded me kind of like a password vault, like 1Password. It prompted me to set up my own web domain. I could use any registrar I liked, GoDaddy, or what have you. But Flitter also made it quick and easy for me to register a new one. I already owned likemike.com, so I used that. Here's where things got interesting. I noticed in the setup that my personal pod contained, among other things, a table that had a column with permalink said likemike.com and a big long string of numbers, just like you'd see in Twitter. The second column was current link, which said flitter.io and another long string of numbers. And then the content, my first post. Next to the table was a button that said Move My Stuff. The tooltip explained that if I pressed that button, it would automatically instruct Flitter to pack up all the content, send it to any other service that implemented the Quitter protocol, and remap all the current link values to the next domain. It would also initiate permanent 301 redirects with my registrar, so that existing links wouldn't break. Exactly what I wanted. Flitter would also remap any connections I'd already made with other users, so that if they clicked on my profile, it would take them to me wherever I had moved. So now, when I created a post, Flitter sent a call to create a new row in my pod, which generated a URL, not unlike Bitly. LikeMike.com, big long string of numbers. And when anyone hit the share button on my post, it used my permalink, not the current link. Likewise, search engines indexed the permalink, not the current link. The actual content of the post was in Flitter's servers, because that was how they delivered all the goodness of a high-performance Twitter-like experience. But if I moved it, none of the links anyone had previously shared to LinkedIn, Medium, or their own websites would break, and search engines wouldn't get confused. So I was excited about Flitter. It had everything I'd come to expect from Twitter, and now I had this personal data pod that I could use to manage any platforms that implemented the Quitter protocol. It was great. I even moved it later to my Google account when Alphabet started hosting pods along with my Gmail drive and 2FA Authenticator. I told all my friends about Flitter, I posted hourly, I put my heart and soul into it like I hadn't since the early days of Twitter, and nothing. Flitter apparently hadn't purchased the right Zeitgeist lottery ticket. It didn't catch on. The network effects didn't materialize. That was sad, but just as Flitter was showing signs that it was dead on arrival, another quitter-based social network caught on, Flipper. For whatever reason, Flipper had drawn the magic Zeitgeist lottery ticket. After I discovered Flipper and tested it out with a temporary account, I went to my pod and hit the move my stuff button. And after a few minutes of fear, thinking that the quitter protocol would fail and that all my posts would be lost in some internet black hole, they appeared on Flipper. I tried a dozen old links. They all worked. I pinged old Flitter friends. they received my DMs, and to them, it was as though I was still on Flitter. Oh, I think most of them at this point have moved over to Flipper, too. Flitter made its money the old-fashioned way, selling ads. Flipper had no ads on its free tier. The crazy thing is that now they're making a ton of money on their paid tier, which charges users to add personal AI services and, no kidding, serves them targeted ads. Life is strange. I guess once people weren't getting ads shoved down their throats automatically, they started to miss them, at least the AI-targeted ones. If you're reading this now, here in the near future, then you probably know that Twitter recently implemented Quitter itself. They started offering users personal pods, just like Flipper. They even retroactively mapped all their old tweets to whatever permalinks the users chose. I took advantage of this so that I could rehabilitate some of my best tweets from the old days and bring them under my personal control. Maybe someday I'll hit that move my stuff button again and return like the prodigal son to the loving arms of Elon Musk, but so far I'm still running all my new posts on Flipper. Looking back on it now and having explored some of the code and details behind the Quitter protocol, I noticed that Quitter took some of its approach from things like Noster and Mastodon, marrying those with a practical approach to the pods idea developed by HTML inventor Tim Berners-Lee. Instead of Relying on new and problematic Web3 technologies like blockchains or IPFS to deliver decentralization, Quitter used conventional internet services that didn't tax the comprehension of users or introduce new friction to adoption. For example, Quitter didn't wait for self-sovereign identity and decentralized identifiers, or DIDs as they're called, to catch on. Though now I see that my pod has a new plugin to let me take advantage of them, which is great. I can prove things about myself, like my age, citizenship, squeaky clean driving record, without handing over personal details. Super. My pod has become sort of the foundation of my digital life. It's where I store all my personal and sensitive information now. It's what I use to authenticate with a DMV, and and I recently used it to take a lot of paperwork out of getting my new home loan. Cool. But in the beginning, all quitter needed was an old-fashioned domain registrar and traditional protocols like OAuth behind the scenes, same stuff I'd been using for years to log into things like my Gmail account, which, in fact, I used to set up my pod. I really think that Quitter's practical use of conventional technology at the time removed the friction to adoption that made this approach successful when so many hyped-up Web3 alternatives failed. Decentralization purists might grouse about the fact that the permalink table that gives my social network mobility is sitting on a centralized cloud server, but I really don't care. I still own my pod, even if Google is operating it. I can move it wherever I like. I I suppose Google could suddenly decide not to honor my rights and lock me out, but I really don't lose a lot of sleep over that. i lose more sleep worrying about it running on my own machine or a bunch of decentralized machines operated by unknown and unknowable people. I had enough of that idea back in the P2P epoch. The Web3 decentralization movement was not useless. It marshaled a whole generation of users that were not okay with the status quo of big platforms owning and controlling user-generated content with impunity. Without that mass shift in user demand, there would probably have been little reason for platforms to adopt Quitter or any other protocol that aimed to reduce the ability to lock in users. Until these historic shifts made alternatives to platform lock-in attractive, a CEO could choose to give people an easy way off their platform, but they would likely have been fired by their board of directors. Even now, the jury's out on whether these new open platforms can turn a profit in the long run. At any rate, if this journey taught me anything, it's that competition in the service of user requirements is the ultimate decentralization. If you have the patience. This concludes Issue 12 of The 2 But Rule. Our first to be review: Quit Twitter with Quitter. By John Wolpert and Ashley Waters. If you'd like to have us review your product or idea, subscribe and join the chat and we'll talk. It's free, though we're grateful to our paid subscribers who get priority on topics for news stories.